Hello, everyone. This is Noah. And I'm Simon. And welcome to the Resolve Podcast. We're your resource for all things mental health, academic success, and personal growth. Devoted to helping students thrive and build the resilience to succeed in school and in life. Hello everyone, this is Simon, and today is going to be the first of a series of interviews that I'll be having with other people who went through university, college, and grad school to normalize mental health and the strategies that they use to cope. I hope you enjoy our first of the series. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Resolve Podcast. I'm here with Ariana Khan. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Like Simon said, I'm Ariana. I'm a recent graduate of the Master's of Science degree in neuroscience from the University of British Columbia. And uh, I worked in the Department of Psychiatry, so I know a little bit about mental health. Yeah. And what do you do now? Uh, right now, I'm working as a communications coordinator for the Kids Brain Health Network. Okay, fantastic. Is there anything you wish you knew about university or managing stress or any tips you want to give to any students experiencing university for the first time? So when I started out my university career as an undergraduate, I was really fortunate that I got to go to a bit of a smaller school. So I went to the University of Alberta, which is not a small school in and of itself, but it does have some satellite campuses. And I went to the French campus, the Campus Saint-Jean, which was about 700 students, so smaller than the high school I went to. And it was a really good transition into university life. And I think it made that jump from high school to university a lot easier for me. So I guess my first bit of advice would be to seek out possibilities for attending smaller schools or smaller campuses, just because then you get a more personalized university experience and you can tell that your professors care that you have more of a relationship with them than you would in a class of 400 or more students. So that would be my first bit of advice. After I finished my undergrad, I took a year off of school and I worked in a research lab in the biomedical engineering department at the U of A. And that was really awesome. And it got my feet wet into the world of research a bit more and helped me uh, get into grad school. So I moved to Vancouver to get my master's in neuroscience. And that was a completely different ball game from my undergrad. And I think that a lot of the things that I liked about undergrad was learning about a bunch of new stuff and meeting a bunch of new people and just having all these new experiences. And for me, grad school is a bit too insular you really focus on one thing, you become an expert in that one thing, but you kind of stop learning about everything else. And that kind of irked me. Um, and that's why I'm moving into science communications because I get to open 
Uh, I get to broaden my horizons once again, which is something I think is really important. So going back to grad school and just how I found that to be challenging, having access to mental health resources was key to my success and having people who were there for me and championing for me was really important. I was lucky that UBC makes these resources really accessible. I know that I've had issues at the U of A accessing these resources. I know that students across the world have issues accessing these resources at their colleges and universities. Therapy is for everyone. Yeah, I know that's, that's a fantastic point. And just following up on that, I guess a university isn't always smooth now, is it? I, I'm assuming at some point you had challenges, whether they're academic or whatever. And how, how did you sort of try and navigate whenever you had a challenge or you had a lot of stuff on your plate? Do you have anything to share on that? So when I was in the first year of my undergrad, I was taking five courses and except for English, they were all science and math. And so they all came with lab components. And looking back on that schedule, when I was in my fourth year, I couldn't believe that I'd survived all of that work, all of that time in class, all of that time in the labs, all those exams I needed to study for back to back. And I, I patched 18-year-old Ariana on the back for getting through it because 21-year-old Ariana couldn't fathom doing that anymore. (laughs) And now looking back on my undergraduate degree once again as a 26-year-old woman with a master's degree, it's, it's, you forget the pain. (laughs) I always, I always say, and I don't, I don't have any experience in this myself, but I always say that it's akin to women giving birth where it's a traumatic and painful experience, but once it's over, you forget about the pain and you say, honey, let's have another one. Like I said, I don't have any kids. I don't really have any personal experience, but it's kind of my um, real world example for how academia kind of brainwashes you into loving it. Then grad school, I guess I'm not so far out of it yet that I've forgotten all the pain I went through. I did. I found it really challenging. It was a difficult three years. I didn't feel very supported in my program or in my work, and that was tough. And it was really hard to reconcile with because often in academia, you're just set, you're just told, well, I had to go through it, so you have to as well. And I said, well, that doesn't make sense. We should be changing. We should be making things easier and more welcoming to people. And it's just, it's a, it's a cycle of abuse, honestly, and that just never sat well with me. And so, I don't know, I talked to friends, I talked to therapists, I talked to people who are high up in the graduate studies program, and I kind of just had to, I had to cut some corners and make some really hard choices in order to get myself to graduate as fast as I could. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I really feel you on that. When I was, uh, I was in Europe, I was trying to do a PhD, and the program there was three years. So the idea is you get a bunch of research, you get uh, five unique chapters, and then an introduction and the conclusion in your thesis, which is really brutal because at the time I was uh, struggling to make uh, uh, cells grow in a dish. Uh, yeah. And 
yeah, I, I had a lot of uh, mental health issues that I recognized at that stage. I decided that I wanted to just leave sooner and leave with a master's in three years rather than pushing myself to the absolute brink and just racing to try and finish or continue sort of struggling in something that I wasn't entirely good at. And I mean, I didn't have the resources to kind of learn how to do some of these techniques properly. So it was super challenging. I completely feel you on that. Uh, what would you say to a student who's, say, in grad school and they're just finding out that, oh no, there's so much that's expected of me. What do I do? How do you uh, manage the relationship with your supervisors, with your friends, and try to keep a balance while you're, you know, trudging along the treacherous route of the masters? So I'm a really sociable person. And for me, that's a priority is spending time with friends and people I love and having life experiences together. And one of my friends who wasn't in school, but worked kind of in the same area as me during my grad school said that she was really impressed, I guess, that I did manage to have such an active social life through grad school. She she recalled her undergrad and how she would go into hermit mode, not see people for months on end because school was so demanding. And I guess that was her priority and how she managed with it. For me, I can't manage without having those social events. Um, so the pandemic was really hard and having to do grad school through that which we can, we can talk about later, but I very rarely worked in the lab after 5 p.m. Unless I had a big deadline, I was not there after 5 p.m. I did not show up super early in the morning. I set up those boundaries and I set up those working hours. And I think that was really important. And it, I did feel guilty because you see your friends who are also in grad school who kind of live and breathe that grad school life where they show up at 8 a.m. and they leave at 8 p.m., rinse and repeat seven days a week. But I, that's not me. And it made me feel like I was a bad grad student. It made me feel like I was an imposter and that I didn't belong there. But the truth is that the system makes you think that. And the system is trying to churn out people who are like that. And that kind of goes back to the cycle of abuse that I mentioned previously, where I went through that, so you have to as well. So making it grad school is what you make of it for yourself. Um, there's the things you have to do. You have to do research. You have to write your thesis. And you have to attend classes. That's about the three major things that you need to do as a grad student. And everything else is kind of auxiliary. But that everything else is also what makes it a more fulfilling and enjoyable experience. So what I tried to do was attend conferences. I busted my butt to get an abstract ready for the ISMRM 2020 conference that was happening in Australia. And what's what's ISMRM? Oh, it's the International Symposium of Magnetic Resonance in Medicine. Cool. And yeah, so it's a really big uh, like MRI conference, neuroimaging conference. Well, not just brains, any any body part, really, that you can scan with an MRI machine. Cool, cool. And how did that go? COVID hit. 
this is my next part of the story. So I busted my butt for a month to get this abstract ready. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't spending time with my friends very much. I was miserable, but I knew that the payoff was going to be so good. I was going to get a trip to Australia. It was paid for by my scholarship. I had extended the trip to enjoy some of the local flavors. And then a pandemic hit and the conference got moved online. Well, first they tried to move it to Paris later in the summer, but you know, that never happened. And then they moved it online. And it was when conferences, I guess, were first moving online. So they didn't really know how to go about it. So it became a really negative experience for me, actually. And I looked back on that month of working and not sleeping and crying and just being miserable to get that sweet the, the, the carrot on the end of the stick and I never got the carrot and I'm still really salty about it. So I feel like my grad school experience could have gone a bit better, but that really, like it was already not a great time. And then that just like, it was, it was the straw. <laughs> it was the last straw. Yeah, I completely understand that. I regret not sending boundaries earlier as well. By the end of it, during the pandemic, I was also working from home. And I kind of looked at my housemate's cat. Uh, the cat had a great life. She could sleep whenever she wanted to, and she didn't have to work. And I was, I was jealous. I should have had something similar where I took better care of myself, which is what I'm uh, trying to do now with uh, building a better balance. Could you just talk a little bit about how you set those boundaries for yourself without needing to work past a certain time and how you can kind of set boundaries elsewhere in life and what the benefits of that are? So this is not possible for everyone based on the nature of their research. So when I was in my undergrad, I spent a summer working in a behavioral rat lab um, and I quickly learned that when you're working with animals, and this also extends to cell lines and stuff, they do not give a crap what day of the week it is. They do not care what time of the day it is. You need to be there dealing with your rats or your cells or whatever, and you really need to plan around that. And after those four months of working with the rats, I, I, I love the rats. I love playing with the rats, but I knew that I didn't want to continue in rat research because of that schedule. So I went into neuroimaging and brain scans sit on a computer and they don't do anything unless you do something with them. So setting up those boundaries had happened years prior serendipitously because I switched focus. Working with uh, science, quote unquote, that doesn't need so much time management made things easier on me. So if something wasn't done, it didn't really matter. You can just leave it for the next day. It wasn't the end of the world. The cells weren't going to die. The rats weren't going to escape. The pictures were just going to sit on the computer and wait for you to get back. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that, at least with myself, a lot of the time when you don't finish something, it feels like, oh, but if I don't do this tonight, I'll never finish it. It's going to be the end of the world, even when it's not something that's urgent and it's a really good skill to learn to understand that even if something doesn't get done right now and you take some time to rest to take a break and take care of yourself that there's nothing to feel uh, guilty about in uh, doing that so I applaud you on 
figuring out how to do all those boundaries before going to grad school, which is uh, super important. Yeah, thanks. Um, also, I was just thinking because my parents um, had full-time jobs and they would come home at the end of the day. And for the most part, they wouldn't bring their home with them too much. My mom's a school teacher, so she had, she had grading to do. So when report card time came along, I'd see her working from home a bit more, but that wasn't super frequent. And then my my dad, he, I think he worked earlier in the morning so that he could come home earlier in the day. And he always made dinner um, and we always ha ate really good, healthy meals in my house. And so I had brought that um, knowledge of keeping myself healthy and how to feed myself with me when I moved out to go to grad school. And so I knew I had to carve the time in my schedule to make sure that I bought those specific groceries, that I had the time to cook those healthy meals. Um, and I think I was really good about it for the first little bit. Even now, after being in grad school, I've definitely uh, lost my willpower to eat so good all the time. But that, I think that was another thing too, is that I knew I needed to eat healthy to sustain myself. And that required time. And that was non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. So basically one thing that I had happened to me and a lot of my friends had happened during undergrad and grad school is that you'd skip food and just keep working through it and then have lunch at like 5 or 6 p.m., which let me tell you folks, that is not a very good idea. I love food. So everything that I do during the day is just filling time between meals. <laughs> That's how I see it. I wake up and I have my coffee and my breakfast and then I plan my lunch and I plan my dinner and it all revolves around the delicious food I get to eat all day. <laughs> so I, I I tend to not forget to eat just because it's it's a highlight for me in these dark times, having a nice meal. <laughs> how do you make sure that uh, your meals are something you look forward to? Do you have like something that's your favorite thing to eat? Or do you kind of switch it up every week? Yeah, I have some staples, but I, you can switch it up every once in a while. I don't really know how to answer that question, to be honest with you, because I'm really, I'm not good at cooking. I don't like doing it, but I know I have to. I'm making it sound a lot easier than it actually is because um, going to the grocery store is actually a huge source of anxiety for me. During, during the pandemic, everyone was like, wow, I feel like everything's really dirty and there's so many people and there's so many lines and it takes so long. And that's how I felt about grocery stores since way before COVID happened. So then it just got worse for me. And I'm like, I really don't want to go. I don't want to be here. So I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make it sound so much easier. It's actually a struggle for me to get that food. But once I have it, I'm okay. <laughs> But also, and then I have this nagging feeling that every meal needs to be extraordinary because I only get so many meals in my lifetime. I, I spend a lot of time thinking about food, Simon. I'm going to be honest with you. I like it a lot. I only, I only get three meals a day and there's only so many days in my life that I get to enjoy food. And so in my brain, I have this nagging idea that every meal needs to be extraordinary and perfect because there's only so many I get to enjoy. But sometimes cheese and crackers with carrots on the side is good enough. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that's great. I, uh, I remember in grad school for lazy snacks, I just buy a bunch of snow peas or carrots. I don't like my carrots when they're boiled or cooked. I like them raw. Eating them, you know, like Bugs Bunny. That's kind yeah, of... Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the most correct way to eat uh, carrots. You heard I it like here carrots first. in all forms. They're definitely my favorite vegetables, so I take a little bit of offense to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing you. But I do sometimes walk around the house eating a carrot like Bugs Bunny, and my partner just looks at me like I'm crazy because he doesn't eat raw carrots. He only eats them baked. So he's, he's like, are you really eating just a carrot like a rabbit? I've gotten that exact look from my supervisor and colleagues, so... <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's it's just uh, regular day-to-day stuff. But could you kind of touch a little bit more about some of the anxiety with grocery stores and how you normally navigate that in your day-to-day? So I do experience mental health stuff that's like negative mental health stuff. And I think that grad school really exacerbated it for me. And then the pandemic hit and it got a lot worse. And doing things is harder than it's ever been. Like going out and doing groceries and leaving my house and getting exercise and doing all the things that I do need to take care of myself now, I find incredibly difficult. I'm lucky that I have a really supportive partner who I live with. So if I really can't do things, he, he's very helpful, like doing the groceries or coming with me to the store. Um, and I think I build up stuff like that a lot in my head a lot more than it is. Because once I'm in the grocery store, I'm usually pretty okay. But it's the end. For me, it's the anticipation of doing something that I don't find super enjoyable. And it, it becomes such a mental block that I can barely bring myself to do it. And I... I've never been a procrastinator. That's also something that kind of developed during grad school just because I was so unhappy with my situation and I didn't know why it was happening to me. Why was I all of a sudden putting off doing tasks that were asked of me? Why was I suddenly not able to bring myself to do the things I needed to do to keep myself healthy? And I was was just falling into a hole. So I had to talk to my supervisor and some of the other staff in my lab and say, look, I am not okay. This pandemic is getting to me. This grad school thing we have going is not okay. And I, I don't know what to do. They put me on stress leave, which I was really bad at doing. I think I worked during my stress leave. Because <laughs> uh, that's me. And they made sure I saw a therapist. That was one of the things that I can really thank my supervisor for was getting me there fast. And uh, because he had connections, they're all psychiatrists. And yeah, so I've been seeing my therapist about every two to three weeks since August of 2020. And he helps me navigate my life and the things that I need to do in order to be a functional human being, like things everyone else takes for granted. It's uncomfortable to talk about. Uh, it's not something that I thought I would be affected with. So it's upsetting. Yeah, uh, thanks so much for uh, sharing that. I deal with quite a bit of anxiety myself. I went to a psychiatrist while I was in grad school. 
the uh, another thing that's really stigmatized even in grad school is people in your lab might be working with antidepressants but nobody talks about what it's like to take them how it feels and i just found myself opening up to different friends afterwards and i was really surprised by the amount of people that were also affected and also had this thing that they felt wasn't something that everyone else experienced but it turned out to be really common especially in people in grad school in professional schools and in undergrad that's such a problem though isn't it that we're all needing to be medicated to make it through these programs that are not designed to watch us succeed in the normal way that humans function you know yeah like i'm surprised when i find out that there's so many people who take anxiolytics or antidepressants or something in that category just to make it through school like it's nor it's normalized and it's stigmatized but it's normalized and that's a problem i think yeah, I think there needs to be a really delicate balance between what's actually going on in grad school, how tests, exams, and stress are kind of administrated. Because, say, in the University of Toronto, I might have uh, three exams in two days, and they're all very memorization-heavy, and each exam yeah. is three hours, and it's it's just not healthy and we know it's not healthy from psychology and biology studies but we still kind of push the standard and it can be it can be like a trigger for existing issues so i found out that i had uh some issues that got a lot worse during grad school so i think it's really important that everyone be aware of their surroundings and how they're university or grad school kind of organizes their programs just to see how it's oriented towards the mental health and of course having a good lay of the land in terms of the mental health resources. Yeah, well said, Simon. I would also add you need to shop around for supervisors when you're doing grad school and there's sort of checklists to follow things I wish I knew, that they take the time to meet with you, that they take the time to show you around, to introduce you to people, that you can ask other people in the lab what it's like working with that supervisor, stuff like that. Just kind of gathering an idea of what the culture of that lab is and whether you're a good fit and whether they're a good fit for you. Yeah, that's very important. Sometimes you're going to make an informed decision and sometimes it's going to end up not working out. And that's also okay. Uh, grad school taught me a lot about dealing with failure or when things don't work, don't work out because a lot of people going in, even from high school to university or university to grad school, you're all these superstars, top of the class and everything. And you go into this field and you're just absolutely bogged down and it's it's difficult. It's a jarring experience for sure. Something else that's really important is for people to just be aware that 
it's not smooth and there's nothing wrong with, you know, experiencing road bumps, stress, or, you know, needing to go somewhere to get help with your mental health, especially if you're doing grad school, which is, it's, it's hard. It's hard. They, it's, it's, it's a truth that it's a marathon, not a sprint. And as much as I hated hearing that all the time, it's, it's, it's true. You can't just keep going on that hamster wheel endlessly and not take breaks. Um, you, it, it's going to take the time it's going to need to take. And, and sometimes if it's taking too long, you need to reevaluate where you're at and whether this is a good fit for you. But it's, uh, it's something to be taken at a walking pace. Uh, switching around to a more positive, a more cheery kind of topic. What was your favorite thing to kind of do for a break while you were in grad school? How how did you kind of unwind? So when I was on the campus before the pandemic made us all work from home, I worked in a open plan sort of office space. And I ended up making a lot of friends around me. And they were not necessarily in the same lab, but they were working in adjacent cubicles. And one of one of the many, one of the one the one great thing about UBC is how beautiful the campus is and the fact that it's situated right on the ocean. And so when it was nice out enough and um, the first year I moved to Vancouver was an unusually dry and pretty sunny year. Um, so in February, even we would go for walks through campus and then take the stairs down to Rec Beach, which was the campus beach. And so we knew we were getting good exercise because there was a lot of stairs that went down and up and we got to enjoy the sunshine on the beach during our lunch breaks. And that was definitely one of my highlights of unwinding activities during a lunch break. Yeah, yeah, no, that sounds uh, really relaxing. Something that I got really into was uh, going to this little pond that is maybe one or two kilometers in diameter. And I was really into the birds there, the pigeons, the ducks, the geese. So I just buy bird seed from across the road and I'd be like, you know, getting to know the birds and feeding them and looking up bird facts and trying to tell which ones are the males and which ones are the females. That's awesome. I love birds. They're so fun to watch. Yeah. Interesting enough, I find that the birds, especially the pigeons in Ireland, were a lot more polite than some of the pigeons I've encountered here in Toronto. But pigeons are definitely an underrated animal. So what you're saying is that Canadians are not actually more polite? Not the pigeons, no. <laughs> okay, that's that's your cue, folks. Irish pigeons are where it's at. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's something to be said about just being mindful of your surroundings and just trying to find joy in some of the things around you, even just for an hour on your lunch break. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for chatting with me for the Resolve podcast. Uh, we're really happy to have you as our first speaker in our little mini-series talking about life 
in grad school. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Simon. Thanks so much for uh, speaking with me about your journey and opening up. And is there anywhere where people can follow you online? Do you have anything you want to kind of uh, talk about? Something that you're doing that's really cool? Uh, sure. So you can find me at Ariana Khan, A-R-I-A-N-A-C-A-H-N on Twitter. That's definitely where I'm most active, talking about science, politics, and adding some sarcasm and humor to my everyday posts. So if that's your thing, please uh, follow me. Um, tweeting about mental health, helping Simon get resolve off the ground because I am uh, advocating for his mission. And yeah, otherwise, just keep being good people and get mental health help when you need it. Uh, thanks again. And of course, a disclaimer. This podcast and all of our mental health learning and educational content is not therapy and is not a replacement for therapy. Please seek professional help if needed. Go to www.resolve2vs.ca to get the support you need. And that's all for now. We hope this was helpful in some small way. If you like our content, please subscribe and give us a five-star review wherever you are listening. Make sure to keep updated with all of our content on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And of course, come check us out at www.resolve, that's resolve with two vs.ca to learn more about how our services can support your needs. Till next time, take care. Theme song for this podcast is done by the band Mokuse no Maguro in their song Midnight Empty Street. <laughs>